Well, you guys can, um, if you're taking notes, um, get your Bibles out, and we're going to get into Word tonight a little bit, and uh, I'm going to share something kind of quickly with you. I don't think it'll take that long unless God moves it in a different direction. If you're, um, if you're new to, to SNL, this is uh, what we consider, we call it a more service or a believer service. In other words, um, we just... Um, we're believing for more, and we can go sometimes a little bit deeper, a little bit longer in worship, and we try to pray for people almost every time in services like this, and, and uh, sometimes go a little bit deeper in the Word, a little less uh, cozy and careful, a little more straightforward and um, direct, and um, more, more than that, though, we just want to have kind of an encounter with God, and that, that's a lot of times um, determined by our expectation and our hunger for Him, Amen. Um, you know what you could do for me, too? I, I have a pet peeve about this. If you can move in tight, would that be all right with you guys? I would love to be able to speak to, like, as much of the middle as possible and, and, and just close. If you would just honor your pastor that way, that would be really appreciated. If you can lead from the front in that on a regular basis, I would love that. I know some of the leaders have to be at the back for different reasons, but if you don't have a responsibility and you can be closer, it's just better. It's always better. <laughs> My dad taught me the anointing is closer at the front, so, amen? Is that cool? You just get to know each other a little bit that way, and thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, I want to pray for a couple of people. Something was happening to me. Actually, a couple of people. Um, and we'll just see where this goes, but this is kind of different. But um, where's Sarai? Where'd she go? Sarai, you know, come here, honey. A couple of her friends come with her and just support her. Come down here to the, the front here for a second. I want to. I think she can handle this. And Deej, you can stay close. Um, yeah, I need a little bit of female support just to be behind her. Darlene, do you mind coming up for this? I appreciate it. Just you can face me, honey, and I just feel like I'm gonna you know, speak something over you. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's going to come to me in just a minute. Um, you know, um, this is a special kid right here. And um, when she was singing, I was just really blessed. know what it's like to be like called out of the crowd and it doesn't mean it's not something significant or special if he doesn't do that for you but sometimes he does sometimes he wants you to know that he's paying attention to you and 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 acknowledge your character and your gift and he just wanted to call you out and tell you that he sees you And when you were singing, open my eyes, I was just, you know, seeing him had his eye on you. He had his eye on you. And you're, you're special. And you're going against the grain of things you've known and, and the way you've been maybe even conditioned. Your, perhaps your upbringing, your relationships, and almost like a code that everybody else is living by but you've chosen not to and you've gone a different path and he sees that and it's awesome and your character exceeds 
your gifting. And that's good. That's good. Would you guys just extend your hands to this precious girl? God is going to promote you, not man. No person. No flesh can glory in his presence. But because you've made it a point to have joy in his presence, you've made it a point to help others experience his presence and that your life has invited his presence. He is present in your life in a special way and he will promote you. Maybe different, maybe a different course and path than you had anticipated or expected, but he will. You are special. Just continue to walk in that humility and continue to walk in that narrow path that many wouldn't see or notice. He notices. You're loved. Lord, I pray that you would just guard her and help her to um, protect her heart from any sniper, any satanic attempt to divert her from the course and trajectory that you have for her life, the path that you have for her life. Lord, you're preparing her for something. And I pray that it would come to pass and that nothing would thwart the plan of God. Remember this day. Remember. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Stay, stay, girls. You can, you know. Kat, will you come here a second? I had a word for Kat this morning. Just, I know you can handle this. Um, you guys may not know her story. I don't know all her story, but enough to know that God is doing an incredible thing in your life, isn't he? It's amazing. I can remember um, months ago, Kat was seeking God in a service. And she was down front here. And um, people were praying for you. And I, was, I remember praying for you. And we prayed like a creative miracle literally for like your mind and and your whole body do you remember that yes. it's happening isn't it yes, yeah and what I what I could see happening was um, this morning and I was just wrestling with the Lord like you want me to do it right now and just going back and forth and I said you know if you want me to have another opportunity if I missed it if she's here tonight then I'll I'll do it I'll say something I'll do something but I just all I got was just he wanted to give you another, like almost like another application, another dose of his healing power on your body and on your mind. And again, church, if you can believe with me in faith, would you just extend your hands towards her? I believe this is going to be an incredible miracle in this, in this woman's life. Incredible. She's going to lead people. She's already begun to influence people through her life just because of the transformation, but... It's not even, it's not complete yet. It's in process. But I pray in Jesus' name right now for Kat. I thank you, Lord God. We exchange, we exchange, Lord, um, you know, it's like the Bible says, uh, beauty for ashes. Yes, what, what the enemy would like to just leave is a pile of rubble, a ruined life, 
God takes all of that. He takes all of that and he turns it into something amazing, something beautiful. And I thank you, God, that that, that, that process has begun and it has become visible. It's, it's something that many couldn't see for a while, but now it's beginning to bud and to beginning to surface, Lord God. And I just ask for your hand, your surgical hand to continue to renew her mind in Christ Jesus. You have given her the mind of Christ. You have given her, Lord, as I place my hand on her, like the helmet of salvation, which, Lord, protects her from the thoughts of the enemy. They are captured. Anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God is captured. It is, it is arrested and it is eradicated. Anything that is of God is received and entreated. Your thoughts are becoming her thoughts, Lord. She is becoming more like you, more and more like Jesus. Your anointing now is coming over her entire body in the name of Jesus. Head to toe, head to toe. Healing, healing power, healing power over her life. You're receiving another application, another dose of God's healing power for your life. He's doing the work on the inside. It's internal, becoming external. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I believe over the course of this night, you're going to receive more and more healing. Every cell, every system, every every pathway in your life, all the clutter and confusion. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, give her a vision of how you see her, a picture of how you see her, a tapestry of look on one side of knots and messes on, on the other God, just a beautiful picture. Thank you, God. Thank you for Cat's life in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, let's give glory to God for what he's going to do in her life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amazing. Good stuff coming. Woo! Help her to her seat. Help her to her seat. Praise the Lord. That's the anointing still here. Amen? Wow. Good stuff. Praise the Lord. Don't look at me. I don't know what to do next. <laughs> uh, I want to talk to you about something tonight. Um, I'm going to talk to you about leadership. And um, I kind of stole this particular title from uh, John Maxwell. He was using this term, transformational leadership. And when I was having my uh, devotions recently, I saw some things that I think relate to this, and I just want to share that with you. So you ready to get in the Word a little bit? Okay, just a little bit of context for not only the message, but this service. Like, um, I hope that, you know, you all come expectant, you know, and just ready for things like that where God could just you know, move through you, not just through one person. So if you receive something and you feel like, you know, God's showing you something or you get, you get something, um, you know, inspired or whatever, just, you know, can, you can kind of submit it to one of our leaders. Um, my elder, Chuck, can you just raise your hand at the back? And my dad, where's my dad? Dad, can you raise your hand? And Pastor Deej, for example, you guys know. So if you guys get something, is there any one of my elders, other elders here? I can't see right now if there isn't. Yeah, but if you get something, just, just share it with them. And then if, if you can't get my attention. 
Um, I just want you guys to feel like you can, you can do that. I'll open with a little story, all right? And this will start a little colorful, but um, I think it relates, and um, I don't know if I've ever shared this before. But when I was, um, when I was young, I just started biking recently and um, trying to, uh, uh, like, uh, I, I like to work out with weights and things like that, but I don't like to run, and so biking's okay for me. So I was biking, and, and it was reminding me of what it was like when I was a boy, because I used to bike a lot, and I thought I could just go out and do what I used to do, and <laughs> no, not so much. <laughs> I mean, I used to bike, like, to, like, other towns, you know what I mean? Like, I can remember biking all the way, Mom and Dad can attest to this, I used to bike all the way to Dave LaRue's house in, in like, Uxbridge from my house here in Ashland. Um, and, and, you know, I'd bike to the basketball court, like, several days, several days a week. Uh, I would bike to 7-Eleven just to get, you know, a Slurpee, you know, like, six miles, just, you know, just to go get myself a Slurpee, you know, for, like, whatever, 50 cents or something like that. And, uh, but there was one particular bike ride that I always liked, and I can remember sometimes asking my mom, you know, can we get an ice cream, can we get an ice cream? One of my favorite places to go get ice cream was Friendly's. How many still like Friendly's? Anybody still like Friendly's? Yeah. So, well, Friendly's had one of my favorite ice creams on the planet, and it was double chocolate. So I would, I would uh, if I wanted an ice cream, sometimes, you know, I get the no. You know, I've given the analogy this morning. My, you know, my father used to say, you know, want an ice cream now or a bike later? And I'd always say an ice cream now. Well, sometimes I didn't get the ice cream, even though I wanted it right now. You can go bike and get one. I'm like, well, come on. It's like three miles away. It's down at Stop and Shop on Temple Street. You know, we live pretty far away. Well, get on your bike and go get one. So I would want that. I would dream about that double chocolate, double scoop on a sugar cone ice cream. Like, I mean, like salivating, like preoccupied, can't sleep kind of thing. You know what I mean? Wake up the next morning, go to school, come home, think about it, think about it, think about it. You know, man, it's a long walk. It's a long walk. You know, it's a, it's a, long, it's a long bike ride too. But you know what? I want it. I want it bad. So I would bike all the way, no joke, many times. In fact, I even was so passionate about it, I could convince my sister to go with me. She didn't like ice cream quite as much. She liked it, but she, she became a convert over time, and she'd get, you know, her own, you know, like mint chocolate chip or something like that. And so I would bike all the way to Friendly's to get a double scoop, double dose of chocolate ice cream. And let me just tell you something. It was worth it. Turn to somebody and say it was worth it. It was worth it. It was totally worth it. And, and, and I want to kind of draw a parallel to kind of that double scoop, double chocolate, double dose of ice cream, okay, to a story in the Bible. Imagine that, right? pastor can put food next to principles in the scripture. So if you want, look at 2 Kings chapter 2 with me, and um, we'll check this out uh, together. How many of you guys want to grow out there? You want to grow? You know, I heard somebody say, you know, how, do, how, is, it that you're, how is it that you get successful? Well, two words the guy said. He said, good decisions. Well, how do you make good decisions? The guy said, one word, experience. The guy said, well, then how do you, how do you get experience? He said, two words, bad decisions. <laughs> so some stuff just, you know, takes some practice and some, some time and some, and, and some, you know, kind of getting after it. So we're going to figure some of this out together and have some experience together. Amen? So 2 Kings chapter 2, many of you are familiar with this story. Um, and I'll say that, you know, when we get into this, uh, this is important, this particular lesson. It's important not because I want you to have information, because information really doesn't change people. It informs people. It gives them, you know, knowledge and things like that. But 
as a church, we don't want to introduce people just to information. We want to introduce people to transformation. It's different. Otherwise, like, church is just like going to see Tony Robbins, you know, or back in the day, you know, some of you may or may not know, like Zig Ziglar or these, like, self-help kind of guru guys. And that's not what we're offering here. We're trying to connect people to God and specifically God's word. And his word is alive. Amen. So the thing is, all transformation happens through a transformational leader. You have to be transformed to see anybody else transformed. So, so leadership is far more than just receiving kind of more and more information. So we must have, as we go into this, we must have trained, not just trained leaders, we have to have transformed leaders. And Elisha was a transformed leader. He was different than other kinds of leaders. He, he was set apart. He, he kind of had, had some qualities and characteristics um, that were unique, even from the time that he was called. And you can read it on your own in 1 Kings 19 by Elisha. But Elijah, his mentor, is getting ready to leave and depart. He's done some incredible things. Uh, but Elisha is next in line to receive, um, if Elisha is prepared to receive the mantle uh, the, the transformational mantle that Elijah had on himself. And so in, in 2 Kings 2, it says this. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. Look at Elisha's response. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Ever say, I'll not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. So he, wouldn't, he, he knew because he, I think because of his relationship with Elijah, I think because of the calling of God that's on his life, because of what he's received from the Lord himself, he knew, I've got to stay close to this guy every minute, every second of the day. The company of the go on, it says, but Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Isn't it like... Isn't that kind of what we experience sometimes, though? We've got a plan. We're going to do something. We have a commitment, and then somebody comes out and kind of tries to spoil it, make it bad. You know, like point out something negative to us. Isn't that like sometimes people in our lives? Yes, I know, Elijah replied, but do not speak of it. You know, he just he says, be quiet in one translation. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho, so I'm going to go to another city, and why don't you just stay here? He replied, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. The second time, he's like... You can't get rid of me. You can't shake me. He's like a pit bull. He's bit on, and he's not going to release. So they went to Jericho. Well, then, once again, here we go. The company of the prophets must have been quite a group at Jericho. Went up to Elijah and asked him, Do you not know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? You're going to be alone. You're not going to get what you're coming for. You're not going to get what you're looking for. I, st- I can hear, like, Bono singing in the background. You still haven't found what you're looking for. <laughs> I had to do that. Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan, another place, another location. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance. Were they up close? No. They were at a distance. Facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan, Elijah took his cloak, remember that word cloak, rolled it up and struck the water with it. 
The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Where were the other prophets? They were watching from afar. They weren't up close. They weren't near the miracle. More importantly, they weren't near the man of God. More importantly, they weren't near the anointing that was on the man of God manifest in the cloak. Is everybody capturing what I'm saying here? So there's something about being close. That's why in many respects I'm saying there's, there's this tendency for us, and don't take offense to this, Chuck and, and Gretchen at the back and Kenya who worked for me, indeed, who are as far away as you possibly could be. But there's this tendency. You guys are going to be the prophets today, okay, in this story. All right? You're looking from afar. You're at a great distance, you know. You're, the People from afar sometimes can miss what's happening up close. You can't see it. You're not going to experience this. You're not going to get the same experience that people from afar are going to have. They're going to have a totally different experience. And let me just tell you something. It's not going to be as intimate. It's not going to be as personal. It's not going to be as significant. You're not going to hear the whispers of God. You're not going to see, you know, some of the particulars of what happened because you're too far away. Assessing and observing what, what, what everybody else is doing, thinking you've got the best perspective on what's going on. And let me just tell you something. The prophets that are watching in this situation, they're on a a lateral level. They're not on a vertical level. It's one thing to be above looking down, but it's quite another to be on the same plane looking. You're not going to be able to see things. I can see what you can't see from here, but when I'm down here, I can't see the same thing that I can see when I'm up there. Does that make sense? But it's way better when you're right up close to someone and you can kind of touch that person. You can feel what's going on. You're in it to win it with that person because you're up close. And that's what Elisha was willing to do. He wasn't going to sacrifice what God had for him because, because he was going to stay distant. He was going to be an observer and an assessor. He was going to do everything he can to get himself in a position to receive what God had for him, no matter what it took. Even with kind of the testing, and remember I've told you this, God doesn't tempt anyone, but he tests everyone. And so he's testing Elisha to see if he is going to be capable of carrying the, the anointing that God had for him. And if he couldn't pass those, th those three simple tests in the beginning, what, what chance does he have of being able to carry the weight and responsibility of that anointing that's going to be on him later if he can't pass those initial tests? Are you tracking? And sometimes we're not carrying the anointing that God has for our life. We're not experiencing the, the full, the fruition, seeing the fruit and seeing what God has for us in our, in our walk with God because uh, we're not passing those simple tests along the way. Sometimes we're not even seeing them, let alone passing them. We're passing them by. So Elijah took his cloak again. He rolled it up, struck the water, and, and the water split from the right to the left, and they crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, Elijah said to Elisha, excuse me, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken away from you? What a question. What would your response be if God asked you a question like that? Pay my mortgage. <laughs> you know, heal my body. Change him. <laughs> it's usually kind of a me, myself, and I kind of preoccupation, isn't it? See, some of the greatest men of God have done some of the most incredible things. They were ready to answer that question before it was asked. Think about that, you know. When Solomon, you know, was asked, I think he was ready before he was asked. What do you want? 
He didn't ask for fame and money and things like that. What did he ask for? He asked for, he asked for wisdom. See, I think we need to be prepared to answer. So some of the tests are, will you stay? Will you get up close? Are you going to be a back afar, assessing, staying in the distance, observing, you know, watching, hoping, you know, seeing if they're doing it right, judging, cr- critiquing, slash criticizing? Or are we going to get up close? Are we, going to, are we going to give up too quickly? Are we going to keep pursuing, pursuing, pursuing? We talk about pursuing, we sing about pursuing, but sometimes we don't know anything about pursuing. I think in the church, personally, and I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to speak into Sunday night crowd, right? I think you guys should be the, the church, the people that get here the earliest. I think you should be the people that, like, are getting, uh, uh, meeting the new people. I think you should be the people that are worshiping like, like Jesus is coming through the eastern sky tonight. I'm being serious. I think that's how it should be. Like, you, there's, we should live like, you know, seize the day. Like, this is our last opportunity. You know, I want to be found, you know, as a bride that is prepared and ready, you know, when the groom comes for me. I want to be ready. But a lot of times we're not even, we're kind of like, you know, uh, just getting from point A to point B, just taking up air, you know, sucking air, taking up space, abusing more of God's grace, as I always say, right? We should be living a little bit more intentional with our life, have a little bit more visible pursuit in our life. And I think when that's a pattern for us, then I think we're more inclined to have uh, the pattern of thoughts we should have as well. When our life reflects love, then I think we'll learn the right things to ask and or say in certain situations. I don't know if this is blessing anybody else besides me, but, you know, for, as my father would say, you know, this is pretty good preaching, you know, for all the people that are paying attention back there. So here's his response. He says, give me a double scoop, double dip, double chocolate dose of your spirit. Give me a double portion of your spirit. In other words, what I saw on you, Elijah, I want that times two. I want that times two. You've asked a difficult thing, Elisha said. In other words, I mean, how do I give you what I don't have? Well, because it didn't really come from you. It came from God, and that's why he can. Yet if you see me, everybody say, yet if you see me, this is really, really key. So there's three tests. They're physical tests. Are you going to stay with me? Are you going to stay with me? Are you going to pursue me? Are you staying committed to me? Are you going to be like the crowd and stay on the peripheral? Are you going to stay up close? Are you going to stay near? That's a test. Can you pass the test when he asks you the question? What are you going to say? And then are you going to see me when I'm ready to release what I have for you? Is everybody tracking? Okay. So then if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, not. The whole thing could be missed if you weren't in a position to see Elijah when he left. The whole thing could be shot. Interesting. As you were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire, horse of fire, appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up into heaven in a whirlwind. That's quite an exit strategy, God. Elisha saw this and cried out. He probably cried out because he's like, I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. He's probably like, I did it. You know, I don't know. Maybe. I'm just adding little things that I think maybe make sense. Elijah saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He's really, really passionate right now. He picked up, everybody say he picked up. 
He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. So the cloak is representative of the mantle, the anointing that was on Elijah's life. He picked that up. He would not be able to, listen, you have to pass these tests. You have to be able to answer these questions. You have to be able to see what God wants you to see. When you're in a position to see what God sees, then you can receive that particular mantle. But you have, to be in a, you have to be in a position. He was in a position for a power to fall on him. He was in position for an anointing to come upon him. And a lot of times we're not in a position. We're in another position. We're in another world. We're in another sphere. We're in another, set of, another agenda, another path, another set of interests. And as a result, a lot of times we don't receive the, the portion, that, the portion of, that, of what God has for you and your life because we haven't put ourselves in a position to do so. This is, when we talk about pursuit, that's what I think this is kind of all about. Pursuit is really looks like this from Scripture. All transformation, again, it happens through transformational leaders. And we need to get into a position for a power fall. And a cloak can't be picked up if you're not near to it, if you're not ready to receive it. And I think many, many are not ready. Sometimes we're not willing to receive it. And we're just like the, the onlookers and those from a distance kind of watching. You know, um, I heard this quote. It says this, it's kind of an unfortunate quote, but it says, Christians, speaking of like the church, have been relegated to nothing more than a faithful presence instead of an intentional presence. You guys get what I'm saying? The church sometimes just, we're, we're there. We're, we're, just, we're, just, we're just doing time. We're going through motions. We're steady and consistent with certain motions. But are we really making a difference? Are we really a church of impact and influence? And so in order to be a church of impact and influence, we have to be able to walk in an anointing that God has for us. In order to be able to receive that anointing, it's going to require pursuit. To, to receive and to, to press into those things, we're going to have to pass certain tests. In or, tests, I just said what my dad said. Tests to be able to receive that anointing. Amen? It requires an intentionality about it. In Psalm 90, there's so two texts that we have tonight are 2 Kings 2, 1 through 17. And then another text is Psalms 90, verse 12. This particular verse says, Teach me to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So, so what's the difference between, write this down, what's the difference between a trained leader and a transformational leader? What's the difference between a trained leader and a transformational leader? Number one, intentionality. Number two, anointing. You could reverse those if you want to. The difference between a trained leader and a transformational. Someone who just got information, who's kind of doing things right versus doing something that, that, that is the right thing or that makes a difference or that's impactful or influential or even, you know, transformational, it requires uh, an anointing to do that. And we've talked about how to pursue to receive that anointing. But it also requires an intentionality in our lives. We have to just kind of not have a case sera, sera. Like we have to get up with a purpose and a plan for our life. And I want to give you some attributes of a transformational leader if you want to continue taking notes. And then we're going to pray and worship some more. Here's the, write this down. Transformational leaders, this is some attributes of them, okay? They see things that most don't see. So I'm going to tell you what a transformational leader looks like so we can be more like 
a transformational leader. The prerequisites, again, are intentionality and anointing. First Kings shows us, Second Kings, excuse me, too, shows us what it looks like to carry and, and receive that anointing. Putting yourself in a position to receive that anointing is really, really important. Being intentional with our life and numbering our days is critical. But transformational leaders, they see things that most don't see. Now, I submit to you that the anointing helps us to see things we don't see. Because not only are we closer to each other, we're closer to God. So we have his perspective on things. We kind of have a... Uh, you know, a chopper command view. We kind of have an above-the-tree-line view of things because of the anointing, because we're, we're tapped in and plugged into God. You know, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to describe that for some without taking a long time, because the anointing could do a series on it just by itself. But when I come to church on Sunday mornings, and my staff probably have heard this or, you know, saw this or whatever, but, you know, as soon as I get up in the morning, like, just in church, I, I don't, like, you know, get a bunch of, the first thing I don't, the first thing I don't do is start studying my notes and what I'm going to be talking about again and refreshing them one more time. I start praying. The first thing I do is I start praying. And I actually pray in the Spirit. So I pray in a heavenly language just over, because I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build myself up before I can build anybody else up. Jude 20 says praying in the Spirit. It builds you up in your most holy faith. So it's like orange juice with the pulp at the bottom, the sediment. It's all down in the bottom. And so what I need to do is I need to stir myself up. And so when I do that, now I'm not tapped into me. I'm tapped into God. So when I, when I walk in, I walk into church kind of in a different disposition. I'm not in my disposition. I'm in a God disposition. I'm in, or I should say, I'm in a position to be able to receive and to be able to give out what God has for me because, because of, of that practice and that habit. And what happens is I'm more inclined to be walking in the anointing on a Sunday morning because of that practice. Does that make sense? Sometimes it doesn't come real easy. So sometimes it requires a little bit more effort. And so on a Saturday, sometimes I'll come to the church and I'll pray and walk through the chairs and things like that. Or turn on a, a CD and close my office door and, you know, just kind of, you know, sing and worship. Just to get in a, a disposition where I'm kind of pulling away from the world, unplugging from those influences, kind of the, the prophets, the crowd on the outside. And I'm plugging into uh, the, the leader of my, of my life. And receiving from him. Does that make sense? So I'm just trying to explain to you what kind of that looks like. And when I do that, what happens is you become more um, intuitive. I think, I think transformational leaders are more intuitive. They can see what others cannot see. Great leaders are intuitive leaders. They see what other people don't see. They, 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 uh, they, they don't just have information on stuff. They have insight into stuff. It's different. Very, very different. And, and most people who are trained leaders, they walk through life with the little why, but a transformational walks, walks through life with the big why. Big why meaning like, you know, it's a, an impassioned why. You know, we got to do something about that. Why is this happening? You know, how do we fix this? This, this, needs, this needs a solution. This needs, this needs um, uh, you know, a remedy. And, and they see possibilities, and they find people, and they find solutions that can make those things possible. They see it a lot of times before anybody else sees it. They see it before, and it, it's bigger to them than other people. That's what a transformational leader looks like. Are you tracking with me? Number two, here's another thing about a transformational leader is that they, see, they say things others don't say. So they see things others don't see, and they say things other don't, others don't say. 
In other words, and again, back to the anointing and intentionality, the, the attributes of a transformational leader, as seen in Scripture already mentioned, the, the, a transformational leader will say things other people won't say. They have more boldness about things. My, fa- my, uh, my, not my father, my son was saying this recently. He said this phrase, he said, um, opportunity favors the bold. It's a great line. You guys catching that? So you sometimes have to be bold. Uh, another person said, um, uh, when the opportunity pops up, you speak up. That's the definition of boldness. But there, was, there are situations in the scripture, and you can look in the book of Acts in the early church where, where they, were, they were really bold. They weren't afraid because they weren't living for the approval of man. They were living for the approval of God. The anointing makes you more inclined to want to do things that please the Lord, not prove something to God, not trying to squash people and make people feel like, you know, crud, but they're trying to help people, save people. And sometimes to save somebody requires some boldness. Just this morning, a, a girl came up to me and she said, um, I, I can't believe that message that you just, you just spoke this morning. It was directly from me. And uh, I brought a friend to church today and she said, she said I, I'm the one that he was talking about. So then we proceeded to talk a little bit further, and she said, um, and i got to tell you another incredible thing, but God spoke to me, and her mother was right there crying. Her <laughs> mother was really funny. She's, she's an older lady, and she's hugging me, and she's just tapping me and touching me all over, and the daughter was just saying, uh, Ma, you know, her, his wife's going to be real upset about that. And uh, anyway, it was just it was funny. Um, she's very touchy-feely. Um, but... <laughs> She didn't completely distract me. So when I'm talking to her, she said, God spoke to me, and he, and he told me that um, he gave me a specific word. Heard it, I heard it, and it was so strong that I had to pull over. And it was, it was just, I won't tell you what it was, but she pulled over, and she wrote it down. And, and it was about a relationship, something that she needed to do, and a very specific what she needed to do in the relationship. And she said, you know, well, you know, what do you think I need to do? And so there's an opportunity right there. Don't you, you know what I'm saying right now? I'm getting an opportunity to speak up, right? I said, you need to do what God told you to do. She said, but yeah, but what about this? And what about that? And if I do this and this will happen, if I do that and that, I said, well, does, God, does the word you got from God match up with God's word? Do you see anything that would violate God's word? She, well, no, it makes, you know, it's, I'm sure it's the right thing to do, but I just don't know if I can do it. So I was strong with her. I said, no, you need to do it. And I said, if you don't do it, and then I proceeded to tell her a bunch of other stuff that was kind of strong. And her mother's just going like this. And then she walked away, and then her mother got up, touched me again, whispered in my ear. She goes, thank you. You saved me so much hard work. (laughs) This is hysterical. But they say things that others don't say. In other words, they step out from the crowd, and they speak up, and they're, the transformational leaders are bold and they're courageous. And because you know what? Here, here's something, and I hope I can inspire somebody today, especially some of you young people. People don't follow titles. They follow courage. That's what they're looking for. Well, you know, uh, one time, you know, um, I had somebody, you know, t- was put into a leadership position, and she was telling me, you know, can you tell everybody that I'm in charge? <laughs> you know you're in trouble when somebody says something like that, you know? People don't follow titles. They follow, they follow boldness and they follow, they follow courage and they, 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 they may honor your title with their head, but they'll honor your life because of your heart. Here's a question for you you can put in your notes. What has God planted in your heart that is from him that needs to be spoken out? Sometimes the boldness doesn't start with others, it starts with you. What is it that God has planted in your heart that's from him that needs to be spoken out loud? 
What do I mean by that? I mean, you need to declare it. I remember when I was wrestling with the whole idea of, you know, I mean, I can think of a lot of different things, but let's just say recently, planting a, a, another campus, starting another location for Connect. I remember marinating on that. Uh, let me just tell you something. For some people, that's kind of sexy to talk about that. Like, woo, start another campus, woo, woo. For me, frightening. I'm, 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 I'm about 200 people go in the church. I was content, you know what I mean? In, in the sense that, I mean, nobody, nobody doesn't like a healthier church or the big numbers. But the responsibility piece, let me just say, I was all set. Does that make sense, what I'm saying to you out there? So, but, yeah, but as soon as you speak it out, there's just something about declaring something like that. It changes everything. The po there's power in your words. But a lot of times you guys are not seeing something. Again, I want to talk to you about courage and boldness. It's not just for somebody else. It's for you. What has God put in your, can you answer that question? What has God put in your heart that needs to be spoken? You need to declare it. Maybe that's what we need to do tonight before we leave today is declare what God has told us, what he showed us. Because if you declare, you declare something, this is just one thing that, I, that can happen, but, but something, when you declare something people, to people, in front of people, you'll be held accountable to people. If you say something like, if I got up to you and said, you know what, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Sweet Jesus, I'm not saying that, okay? I just want you to know that right now. <laughs> all right, but if, I, but if I said that, I'll be held accountable because I said it in front of y'all. It makes, makes a big difference, doesn't it? Now, if I don't achieve it, but I lose 10 pounds, how many know that's, pretty, that's still good because I declared something instead of doing nothing by not declaring something? If I said I'm going to win 60 souls for Christ this year and I never reached my goal, never reached that God-driven goal, given dream, but I came close because, because I declared it, then that's good. Some of us, we get scared because, it, 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 because our perspective is messed up. And think about this. If you're, you can write this down if you want. This is a good thing to, to remember. If you're over your head, it doesn't matter how deep the water is. If you're, if you're over your head, it doesn't matter how deep the water is. When you start getting into the land of, like, miracles and, like, it's beyond you, it doesn't matter how big the miracle is. It's still a miracle. Having a baby is a miracle. It's a physical impossibility. Trust me, I, I've been there. Home plate, four times. It's incredible, okay? Any miracle will blow your mind. You, you can, I don't care how big or small you think it is. It doesn't matter. We need to live on the edge sometimes and believe God and trust God. What do you, you want to fire up your faith once in a while? You want to, you want to get your faith on fire for God? You got to believe for something that's beyond you. You need to trust in God. You know, Pastor Randy says, if you're not living on the edge, you're probably taking up too much space. Say, so are you living on the edge in anything? Are you believing God for anything in your life right now? Are you playing it safe? Are you playing it cool as a cucumber? Here's another transformational leadership principle. They feel things others don't feel. They feel things others don't feel. This kind of refers to passion. I think when we pursue God and live life more intentionally, our relationships will become more tender. Our relationships will become more tender for what's important to God, too. This may seem like a weird parallel, but it's like money. How's it like money, PD? Well, the scripture says in Matthew 6, 21, it says, where... Your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. 
It's not where your heart is. Then your treasure's your heart. Your heart will. Your heart follows your treasure. Your treasure doesn't follow your heart, right? So, if you were to substitute, use that same principle, and you to substitute time or talent or anything for treasure, then that will affect other aspects of your life. The same way, it's an investment, basically. So you want to affect your feelings, it requires an investment for those feelings to follow. We're moved by what we feel. We feel what we move towards. The fire gets hotter when you get closer to it. The fire gets hotter when you put a log on the fire. Movement is key. Don't stay where you are. You know, I told you about my, my, my professor when I was in college. He'd take me to uh, sporting events, and, and, and we'd go watch like a football game, and he'd yell at the refs because they weren't moving with the team, so they weren't doing a good job. And he'd say, you know, start moving around. You're killing the grass. You know, remember that? Anybody remember that example? Movement is required. <laughs> Don't just stay where you are. Worship is like this, by the way. Like when you come to church and you get ready to worship, worship is, is movement. The Bible says to present your body a living sacrifice. But a lot of times we look like a dead sacrifice. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good. You look, once in a while you look like a dead sacrifice. Tell them, tell them that. Like, I mean dead. I mean like. <laughs> but seriously. Living sacrifice versus a dead sacrifice. Some of us look like we were hung on a cross just this morning, you know what I mean? <laughs> Doing it all over again. Like, Jesus didn't do it for me, I'm going up there to do it myself. <laughs> we got to bring a sacrifice of praise, a living sacrifice of praise to experience a sweet aroma. A sweet aroma, you know what that's a relationship to or likened to? The anointing, the presence of God. To experience the presence of God, you have to present yourself a living sacrifice. This is good. This is pleasing to him. It's like a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. We smell sometimes when, we, when it's first the sweetness, when it's first preceded by the sweatness. Mm-mm-mm. When's the last time you broke a sweat in church during worship? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I did this morning. I, I, I have to change sometimes between services. I have to change shirts. You know? Well, maybe that's too much information for some of you people, but <laughs> my wife's not here. Um, all right, here's the fourth one. They, transformational, you getting something out of this out there, anybody? I can't tell. Okay. Um, transformational leaders talk back with excitement. You guys getting something out of this out there? Okay. All right. They believe things others don't believe. Again, we're not looking for informational leaders. We're looking for what? Transformational leaders, okay? They believe things others don't believe. Transformational leaders live by a different code of conduct, a different set of kind of rules. They live in a faith zone. They're kind of a little kooky, just a little bit, you know what I mean? Like they constantly, they constantly have more vision than they have resources, they have, more, they have higher expectations sometimes. They're a little bit further out there than some people. They're pulling people, drawing people, not driving people. That is the difference between a transformational leader sometimes than, than a kind of a worldly, secularized leadership. We, we're drawing people, not driving people. 
We're compelling. We're, we're um, I don't know what the word is, but there's attractional in that respect, okay? But they live in a different zone, and they are standing in faith as if something's already happened. They're, they're walking in an attitude of gratitude. You know, gratitude or an attitude of gratitude isn't just for something that happened after, but when it comes to faith and living in faith, it's saying thank you before it even happens. My, my daughter, Mallory, was a pro at this. She'd come to me looking for money, and she'd thank me before I even gave it to her. Dad, I just want to thank you for being so willing to loan me some money right now. You know what I mean? She's like, she's living in faith. Thank God in advance. It's the ultimate expression of faith. The Bible says believe to see and not see to believe. Amen? So I see, I just want to declare, I see multiple campuses through our church connect. People getting on fire for God. Less informational leaders, more transformational leaders. I see campus pastors and worship leaders and people who lead ministries and directors. Not even here yet, maybe even in the room. I see people have incredible stories that are being told, not just in quiet and in secret, but in public before all. And people being inspired to do more because of it. Amen? We're going to see that come. We're going to see it soon in Jesus' name. Last point is they do things others don't do. I think about one of my spiritual sons over here. Where's Amelia? Where is there he is. Amelia is going to Australia. How many days, Amelia? 40 days. Whoa, that's significant that I called that number out, isn't it? 40 days. There's a whole message right there. He's going to Australia because he's preparing himself for ministry. He's going away for a year, sowing into his future and into his calling, only to return, to come. At, you're going to see this young man come back and serve in this church, and he's going to be at a different level of leadership because he's willing to do things other people are not willing to do. And it's going against the grain. This is not a season of life when most young people are ready to kind of walk away from all the fun and sow their wild oats and kind of do whatever I want and case sera sera without a plan, without a purpose. No, he's living on with a plan. And trust me, he's living, he's living a plan out every single day. And God's provision and God's vision for his life is surfacing more and more and more. And it's for a reason. It's for a purpose. And there are many young people in this room that are on the same trajectory where they're giving their life at an early age and not later after I've kind of messed up and screwed up and done a million things that I wanted to do, you know, so I could be up, but they weren't. Instead, they're finding out that it's better to do things God's way. And so transformational leaders do things others don't do. And you don't have to have 40 years of experience to start obeying God. You can do it at an early age. And I would ask the question, what limiters are you, are you putting on God, you know? Are there things that you're doing? Are you putting a lid on God, a limiter on God, like, like those trucks, those rental trucks with the governors on them where you're just not going to let God push it any further. Just stay inside this speed, you know, and we limit God. Maybe you're limiting God by being an observer and an assessor and just watching other people from the sidelines. And maybe you need to participate, not spectate. Maybe you need to get involved and... And not just watch. Maybe you need to run in order to receive your anointing. Maybe you need to get on your bike and go a couple miles first. Break a sweat before you can receive what God has for you. Amen? Amen. Will you live more intentionally? Will you live looking for and, 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 and searching for and getting a position where you could see the anointing fall on your life? Can I have the worship team come? We're going we're gonna to pray some more. Did you guys get something out of that?